Hello, hello, Mindset Winners, and welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're all having a brilliant week. I'm super excited and highly energized to sit down with you for a real listen of someone we heard from way back in season one. Do you remember the incredible Sam Sunderland? He's a motorcycle racer, but not just any motorcycle racer. Sam's someone who's conquered one of the world's toughest motorsport races twice. And I'm talking about the Dakar Rally. It's a true test of endurance where racers tackle a range of difficult terrain from sand dunes and mountains to riverbeds across two weeks of intense racing. So what's the mindset that drives Sam to victory? Well, as you're about to hear in this uncut interview, it's all down to his ability to control his energy and excitement levels and work in his optimal zone of functioning. That sounds complicated, doesn't it? But that zone is the spot where you balance all your nerves and excitement at the same time and you're performing at your absolute best level. It's basically your sweet spot. Keep that idea in mind as you listen to Sam now and maybe have a think about a time when you've hit your stride. Do any of his techniques feel familiar to you? Here is how Sam does it. Hey guys, I'm Sam Sunderland and I race the Dakar Rally and the World Rally Championships for Red Bull Gas Gas Factory Racing. I started rally in 2011 and managed to get on the top step twice there at Dakar, 17 and 22, and third place in 19 and 21. Dakar it started out like it was some crazy adventure race from Paris to Dakar. Over the years, it's kind of developed into this real professional stage race of 14, 15 days where we have um, timed stages, 14 this year, liaisons, like link sections in the morning, a long special stage, which is the race, if you like, up to 500 or so kilometers through deserts, mountains, dunes, dry riverbeds, over all kinds of crazy. We're going A to B each day. We're not racing laps around a track. We're always going over unknown terrain and navigating our way through it. You just do that for 15 days and whoever accumulates the quickest time wins. As the race goes on, it becomes more and more strategic based on your position. And if tomorrow is going to be a sandy stage and you don't want to be the guy opening the route for everyone, you prefer to start back. But at the start of the race, it's kind of like open cards. Everybody's in the same position and you need to drop the hammer and check that you're on pace, you know, and like try and understand whereabouts your rhythm is to the other guys and then step by step through the race you kind of can make those strategic decisions but there's normally only like one or two days where it's clear where you say okay tomorrow i want to start back i'm going to slow down a bit today and make that happen each day is so long that you know you've been racing for seven eight hours some days and you can't remember what happened in the morning. Like you've crossed all these crazy terrains, volcanoes, mountains. You were up in the dark. You saw the sunrise and you've seen all these things that it's like a overload of emotions. And it's only when you're alone, when you have that moment 
in bed at night on your pillow on your own before you fall off to sleep, where you think about what might have happened that day. And those moments are cool. I really enjoy that adventure side of the race. It kind of takes me back to being a kid, setting off on your own on your bicycle for the first time, not needing your mum to take you somewhere. And I like heading off each morning, not having a clue what's coming at me, where I'm going. And that side of it's definitely a huge attraction. I think you have to talk about the fact that it's only one big race per year and you prepare, your team prepares, everybody prepares for that one race per year. So you almost need to prepare absolutely perfectly, have everything you can under control and then arrive to the race and just be like an open book of take what comes because there's no way you can plan it out. There's 14 days, thousands of kilometers, different weather conditions. So like you almost need to be ready, then take what comes and quickly adapt and overcome that situation that's thrown at you. In Dakar, there's always ifs and buts. Everyone can if and but the whole way for 14 days. But when it's the night before and you know you're going into it for a matter of seconds, it's, that's pretty hectic for anyone to take. Honestly, I'm quite afraid. I'm quite scared in that moment. When you're finished and before it started, you've got other things happening, people to talk to. But before the start of a stage, it's like the last moments or minutes before you're exposed to hours and hours of chaos and unknown. And I quite like to stay quiet during their moments and just think about what I need to do, what could potentially happen, what's my plan of the day, is it just push or is it a strategy day? I don't like to talk too much and get distracted uh, trying to focus on, on what's coming. I'm fearful of my sport, which I think is a good thing. It keeps me alert and keeps my goals clear of what I want to do during that day. It's not something that I chose to be fearful about through experiences throughout the years or crashes or things that have happened. It's like, hey, right now I want to, I want to be clear that I'm in a serious frame of mind and take what I'm doing seriously because I know the consequence of a bad crash or, or something going wrong. So I'm like, I want to be on point in that moment. And I think for me, the only way to do that is to repeat what I've done in the past. Like if one stage I'm busy talking, the next stage I'm doing stretches, another stage I'm busy doing something else, each time I could be in a different frame of mind before I sort of set off. So I like to have that little moment of calmness Normally, it's quite natural. It's not something that I think about to do. It's just how I am. Um, but occasionally, we're super lucky. We get to speak to really good sports psychologists. And uh, one thing that helped me a lot was the sports psychologist showed me this graph of um, like level of excitement and performance. And if my excitement is too high, my performance goes down. And if my excitement is not enough, my performance goes down. So I need to be in this like happy medium. So normally it's before a prologue. I find because the prologue's real short, it's intense, everybody's there watching and I get like so fired up, I'm almost shaking. And in those moments, I try and picture where I am on the graph and normally I'm overexcited. So I'm like, hey, you need to calm down a bit. So I'll try and take some deep breaths, go off on my own a bit away from the, the chaos and just calm down a bit and the reverse for whatever reason maybe it's day eight nine ten of the race 
I'm tired. I didn't sleep good. And uh, I'm like, hey, I'm not excited enough. I need to fire myself up a bit. Trying to get myself a Red Bull somewhere. Or if not, I'm doing exercises, trying to do some juggling, get my heart rate up a bit, run around a bit. If everything's normal, I don't think too much. But if I recognize I'm too excited or too sleepy or not fired up, then I'll think about that graph and try and change it. A huge moment that will stick for me with me forever is day four of last Dakar. It was maybe 200, 300 kilometers into the stage and I had a huge crash looking for a waypoint. We were in this open plateau, stony place. And um, basically we navigated, so I was trying to validate a waypoint, which is just like a small number changing in the GPS. And I kept looking down to see that it had validated or opened the radius. Hadn't opened, hadn't opened. Obviously I'm still going along at a fair rate and um, trying to check what's going on, like looking at the, the terrain, looking at the GPS, looking at the terrain, looking at the GPS. And uh, I hit a rock that I didn't see straight out the front door over the handlebars, knocked myself out hurt my neck, picked up the bike and I'd ripped the front brake off. I had bent handlebars. My rear disc was bent, so I had no brakes. And I still had 100, 120 kilometers of, of special to race. And um, in that moment, I can promise you, I was uh, battling with every demon I ever had. Everything was saying to me, stop, you can't focus. Maybe you're gonna have another crash looks like you've got something broken in the neck because my neck was so sore. Bent handlebars, no brakes, still 100 kilometers to race through all the dunes and stuff. The first 50 kilometers when I got going again were the hardest of my life of like this angel and devil of like, you got to stop, you've got a daughter at home, this is too much, you're going to have another crash. I couldn't see, I was like struggling to focus and uh, the feeling in that moment was everything spiraling down the pan because I knew that I couldn't keep the pace that I had. I thought I was going to have another crash and I was just searching in my head for like this small bit of light of reasons to keep going. Anytime I thought about, you got no brakes, try and think of an answer. You, your daughter's at home, you need to get home, to try and think of an answer. And uh, thinking of things like all the sacrifices I'd made throughout the year to get there, still going out training when it's snowing when it's raining when you're tired when you've got an injury all those things and being like come on just get through the next 10 kilometers if you can get through the 10 you can do the 20 come on now we've only got 50 to go like counting them off and that will stick with me forever it was day four of a 12 day race and at that time i didn't know i was going to win i still had eight days to race so it was mentally the hardest day of my life maybe it's just human nature but you can relate it to anything. It's like if you've got a big stack of papers in the office and you've got to get through them, you don't think about the whole stack. Like you just, right, I'll just start chipping away one at a time, one at a time. Or if I'm on a big cycle and it's raining and I've still got 100 kilometers to go, I'm just thinking about the next five, not the next 95, because it seems too big of a task to get through. And it's quite crazy how the brain works. And you can't choose to have or not have negative thoughts. Everyone's different, of course. Some people might find some things more negative than others. Some people get fired up when negativity arrives. And I guess everyone has their own ways to deal with it. And mine is always to kind of break it down and just uh, the next step, the next step, the next step. It's really difficult 
because you're on your own so long. Like whenever you're in the bivouac, you've got your team around you, team manager, even camper buddy, we can kind of like talk to each other and it helps, right? When you're on your own and things aren't quite going as planned, it's really easy that they spiral into like this world of what am I doing here? This is crazy. I've lost a bunch of time because maybe you got lost with navigation issue or maybe you had a crash like that one on day four there. And it's super difficult in their moments because as humans, you can just speak to somebody and they make you feel much better about the situation, right? Like it's the first thing that you do. If, if someone's telling you their problems, you try and bring them up. It's just human nature. But when you're on your own, it kind of like can quickly spiral down and then you need to have some coping strategies for sure. Giving myself reasons why it's going to be okay, even if they're made up, it's pretty strange, but like if I'm hurting, sure other people are hurting. If I've made a navigation mistake, sure other people will do the same or maybe on another day, like, come on. You're constantly having these conversations in your head and I don't know, maybe other people aren't and it's just me, but I am certainly. On another front, you're out there so long each day on your own and you don't know how you're doing even. You can't see your competitors directly side by side. So when you arrive to the finish, you see your time and maybe you was fast or not. You know, Normally you have some sort of idea throughout the day if you've caught the guy in front of you or if somebody's caught you from behind, if you made a navigation error or something like that, then you know, yeah, it's maybe not gone so well. But until you arrive to the finish and you see your, your time compared to the guys in front of you, then you go, ah, oh, okay, that's how the day went. And it's kind of another mental side because if you're in a running race and you see the guy to your right about to overtake you, maybe you can give a bit more effort. You go, oh, I've got a little reserve to give a bit more. Whereas for us, we don't see anybody some days, like hardly anybody all day. So it's really about you against the desert and then the other guy's time against the desert and then match them up and see who was quickest. You need confidence for sure, because there's all these other dudes that are there doing the same thing as you. They're also prepared, got ready, want to win, have their own ambitions. And in any sport to want to be the guy that beats everybody else and win, you need some confidence. You don't need to be arrogant, but you can definitely be confident. And everyone builds their confidence in different ways. Certainly, you don't feel the same every single day in every single terrain. That's clear. Some guys prefer certain terrains and some guys prefer others. And then occasionally you'll be pushing and you'll be in your favorite terrain and everything's just flowing. And that moment, you'd love to have it in a bottle and just like have a little sip because in that moment, you're not thinking about too much. You're in the now, everything's going perfect. And I really love that feeling. For sure. I wouldn't say it happens out of luck. I can't, bam, I mean it. The circumstances need to be right. Like I need to have trained well. I need to have the bike set up good. I need to be in the terrain that I prefer. And then when everything lines up, it's all so nice. But it, it's uh, honestly, it's not very often that that happens because you race a 500 kilometer stage. It's like picture where you are now to 500 kilometers away and you're going off road. How many different terrains do you think you might pass? 
So you're not always going to be in the one that you like or the one that your bike set up the best for or the one where you get this flow state. So it's mostly perseverance and like, okay, I'm pushing. I don't want to push too much. I want to stay safe. The flow state fun part is, I'd say, 10%. 90% is a battle and trying to find ways to improve, trying to persevere if it's not your best feeling on that terrain or whatever it is and then when it comes for me it's the sand dunes I love being in the sand dunes and I arrive there and then it happens it's like yeah now we're on let's go it's easy to sit here and talk about winning races efforts training and all these things we have but when you get injured is such a huge setback mentally also not just whatever bone you may break and I think every single rally rider, especially the top guys, have been through it. Been through an injury where you're sat at home for weeks on end, in pain, suffering, seeing all the work that you put in go down the hill. And those moments are for sure the moments when you need to be mentally strong to find reasons to come back. Because it's it's easy to be mentally strong when everything's going well, right? When you're winning and everyone's telling you well done and how great you are, Who wouldn't be mentally strong? Who wouldn't feel like on top of the world? But when everything's going bad, that's when it's quite difficult to be mentally strong and search for reasons to come back, to find motivation to to do it again and put yourself in that same position that got you hurt in the first place. Honestly, on my side, I feel lucky to have a support structure around you. We can go to Red Bull here in Austria, get checked out, see the best doctors, speak to your family, speak to your team. And also inside I have this fire of when I get injured or out of a race of like having something to prove because you didn't get to show all that work and efforts that you'd done because you crashed. I also had a really rough time mentally in Morocco when I broke my femur. That was horrible. I went from winning Morocco Rally, it was my first race win. And then we stayed and did this small amateur race. I was leading and I crashed on day four, broke my femur, and I got helicoptered to this hospital in Erechidia. And nobody spoke English, it was just French or Arabic, and I didn't speak any of those languages. And I was on my own because we got flown there, the team hadn't arrived. It was dirty as well. Like there was other people's blood on the bed and I'm thinking to myself, they're going to do femur surgery here in this room. I'm like looking around like, what is this? This can't happen. My right leg was swollen twice the size. And uh, they said, you're going to lose your legs soon because the swelling had got so big, I started to lose the pulse in my foot. It wasn't passing blood anymore. They had to drill down the center of your leg and hammer a nail through it and then screw it in. Yeah, they put me to sleep. They missed the vein, started squidging the stuff in, and then my hand just swelled up and I was still awake. And then they put a gas mask on me. And then the next morning I woke up and the doctor, he said, um, yeah, yeah, great, all went well. And I was like, brilliant. Like, I was so happy. And I got back to England, got the doctors from Red Bull UK to check it out. And they put the x-ray on the screen and they was just like, who did this to you? What have they done? And my femur was bent and uh, the rod threw it, but all bent. 
I had a hole screwed into the bottom part. I said, yeah, yeah, I got two nails in the bottom and one in the top. And he goes, no, no, you've got one in the bottom and one at the top. They missed when they tried to get the second one in. So you've just got a hole that they drilled through. And uh, I was like, ah, cool. <laughs> and um, yeah, I lost two centimeters of my leg. So that was mentally pretty tough to come back from, to sit there for two, three months with this dodgy leg, bent, short, not knowing if I'm being able to ride again. And that was a bit of a low patch. That's why I don't enjoy so much Morocco rally. Got too many bad memories of it. But like on the flip side, I chose to go there and race. If you want to play for the glory, you've got to put your chips on the table, right? I'm sure you've seen it in rally, in other sports, people continuing on despite of an injury or despite of a previous crash. And like the power of the mind is crazy to an extent where you can almost do yourself harm long term because you're so dedicated and sure of yourself. It definitely becomes a point of like, you almost need someone else to protect you in that moment because you're in this frame of mind where you're like, I'm good, I can keep going. I'm good, I can keep going. You know, and you're like detrimental to your health because you're so sure of what you want to achieve. It's about being able to endure suffering. If you ask a marathon runner at kilometer 40, are you having a good time? Do your legs hurt? Sure, they're in so much pain and everything in their body's shouting to them, you need to stop this right away. And they keep going. And it's why I love sport because you, you take something from it that you can't find anywhere else. I love what I do. I love the end goal of winning a race. Even more than that, possibly, I love the process of training, of waking up each day, having a goal of training this today, that tomorrow. I love having something to do each day in order to improve. And of course, winning a race is the cherry on the cake. But I like the process a lot of giving myself purpose each day. When I was younger, it was the opposite. In fact, I hated the process. I only put all the glory on the end goal of holding the trophy up. And as I've gotten older and gone through all these things, I recognize that probably one of my favorite parts is training and getting ready and having a plan to follow and building and working on the bike, working with the team is like all these steps along the way are the things that I like more than the end goal. The end goal is to tick the box, to validate that all of that work and all of that preparation was the correct thing. When I talk about the process, obviously working with the team, there's 30 people that come to a Dakar that aren't racers. It's like the races are a small percentage of the team. And I really like working with every one of them. You know, my mechanic, I have a really good relationship with him on a personal side. He'll tell me straight if I'm doing good or bad, or he sees if I'm not in the right frame of mind. He's a friend as well as a mechanic. And I think all those things around it definitely add up to the value of getting that result because you're kind of rewarding all the team's efforts that they've put in as well as your own and then you have all these external motivations like uh, family that changed a lot since having a daughter it's like I want to make her proud of her dad one day and all these things add up to give you motivation and on the same front 
you need to be the type of person to recognize that. You need to recognize that you have this support structure around you because you can just be super, oh, this is all about me. No, come on. If you're a normal person, you can see that there's other people also building towards this effort that you're putting in and this result that you're trying to get. And I like having that support around me and being able to reward them and bring them on the podium when you win, for sure, it's cool. If I pulled you out of the office two days before the Dakar rally, put you on the start line with all the kit on, the bike, the team, everything's ready to go. You've not done anything. You're just out of the office. Even on day three, four, starts to get tough. It's raining. It's minus three outside. You've got to do 300-kilometer liaison followed by a 500-kilometer stage. Everything's looking a bit rough. It's so easy for you to give up because of the fact that you haven't added all this time of work and training and preparation. You're not invested into that race because you were like, hey, I was in the office last week. But if you've got like a year of work, of not going to this party, not drinking that, not eating this, going to bed early, being away from the family, doing all these things and the build up towards the race, to give up then is another game because it's like, hey, if I stop now, all that preparation is gone. So it's easier for an athlete or a full-time professional to not give up because like you sacrificed so many things along the way in order to be at that race, in order to chase that goal. So giving up's that much harder. I think that's a way to build mental strength because in that moment, then when you're in the race, you're there with these bags full of work and that's what you're giving up if you stop. We are also just normal people. It so happens that we like racing bikes in the desert or a Formula One guy likes racing his car, but we still have the same thoughts as everybody else just because you're an athlete or just because you won this or won that is a hundred percent normal person is um different experiences of course and kind of overcoming things that weren't quite easy maybe during moments but i think that's one of the things that a lot of the time is so easy to overlook when you see verstappen racing his formula one car okay he's a superstar he's on telly he's got all this people following what he does but he's just a normal dude he still has to wake up and eat breakfast brush his teeth that's something that i think is interesting that you can use some things that you've learned from being in those situations as a racer of using everyday life and i struggle as everybody like the kids crying you're tired you didn't sleep last night and you try and overcome it maybe break it down right it's just 20 more minutes till she goes to the nursery obviously going into this year's Dakar number one on the bike and crashing out on the first day that was a bit of a heavy one to swallow I prepared really well and I put in a lot of work as did everybody but mine didn't get past the first day but it's racing you know you go there and do your best and go fast to try and win and sometimes it doesn't work out this, all these bags of work that I've still got with me. So I want to put them to good use and 
we've got the World Rally Championship and then coming into Dakar 24 and we'll get another chance. How many Dakars have I got left in me? As many as it takes. As many as it takes till I'm satisfied with uh, the work done. And right now I'm not. There's lots of things that I do personally for Dakar and for my racing. And a lot of it is because I don't want to look back and have regrets because I feel really privileged to be in this position to do what I do. And I'll stop one day. It's clear. I don't know when it will be. In that moment, I don't want to have zero regrets of, I wish I would have done more. But in this opportunity that I had to be around these people, this team, and do what I do, I don't want to look back and say, ah, if I would have done this, maybe I'll... No, I don't want any of that. I want to stop and say, you gave your all, and that was the races you won, and that was the ones you lost, and that's you. So that is... Maybe mental strength, maybe not, but that's my process of who I am as a person or a rider or, or whatever. I really loved how Sam talks about finding the right balance of energy. And I found that so useful to think about. Did you? I hope so. And if this idea of finding your zone is helpful for you, I'd recommend checking out Sam's season one episode where we share some tips for using his method to reach your own optimal energetic state. I'd really love to hear how you get on with it. Do drop me a line at podcast at redbull.com. And I'm going to try and balance my excitement before the next episode. See you then. Thank you for listening.